Well, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for him, for his blood. Father, that his blood brings us close and brings us near. Father, thank you that you loved us while we were sinners. That it's not based upon our good works, but it's based upon who Jesus is, what he's done, and your love for us. That you chose us out of darkness to bring us into light. Father, I pray today that you'd speak through my mouth, through my vocal cords. Father, that each of us would have ears to hear, spiritual ears to hear, and eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see what your spirit is revealing to us today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look over in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. We pick up here uh, where uh, God is telling Abraham, uh, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But he didn't really say, I'm going to make you. He said, I have made you the father of many nations. And then what did he do? This is right after I said uh, in the offering message where he met Abraham, uh, Abraham met Melchizedek rather. And then chapter 15, uh, I'm going to kind of read quickly so I could fit everything in here. But uh, verse 2, and Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, behold, uh, to me you have given no seed and lo I am born in my the one born in my house is my heir and behold the word of the Lord came to him and said this this shall not be your heir but he that will come forth out of your own bowels will be your heir in other words it's not going to be a child of your servant this child is going to come through your loins through you Abraham verse 5 and he brought him forth abroad and said look now to heaven and tell the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so will your seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed in the Lord, believed what he said, according to that which was spoken. We'll look again in Romans chapter 4 in a minute. Abraham believed according to that which was spoken. What was spoken? So shall your seed be, even as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea See, <laughs> too many to count. In other words, innumerable number of heirs. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted to it to him for righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord that brought you out of Ur, the land of the Chaldee, to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? In other words, how am I going to know? The Lord said, Take a heifer, three years old, a she-goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took them all to him and divided them in the midst and laid one piece against the other. In other words, he took them, split them in two right down the middle, and there's half here and half here that would mirror each other. And then the fowls came down upon the carcasses, and Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that your seed will be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And he went on and said some other things. And then verse 17, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. 
So a smoking lamp and burning oven are actually types of God and the Son, Jesus Christ. So essentially, to make a long story short, what God said was, Abram, I'm going to make a covenant with you. But when you make a covenant, all of the weaknesses of the lesser go to the the strength of the stronger. So in other words, what would happen in that day, uh, you can read like after David Livingston, even Stanley went to try to find Livingston. He had to cut a covenant with the tribes of Africa because uh, Livingston was trying to get in there to bring the gospel to these tribes in the inner parts of Africa, and he couldn't get in there. They would not let him in. So finally his guide said, you're going to have to cut a covenant because they're not going to trust you otherwise. So he had to cut covenant. And when he cut covenant with the chief, that meant that you know, there was an exchange of gifts but whichever one was stronger would protect the weaker. So if Livingston needed some, he just had to, actually, he would just raise his covenant gift, which was the chief's staff. You know, he thought, <laughs> he even said in his writings, he said, um, you know, he went and he at that time, he had had some, um, I think it was some heart problems. And um, he had uh, goats, that he, a goat that he took with him. And it brought a milk supply. It was a, maybe it was a stomach problem. And that was the only thing that could keep his stomach calm is the milk from this goat. So that chief, he wanted in the covenant cutting ceremony, the exchange of gifts. He said, I want the goat. And he thought, I'm going to like die from pain, being in pain for my stomach if I give him that goat. And the chief gave him this stick, as he called it. He's like, what do I want some stick for? What good is a stick? Well, it was the chief's rod. So when he took that rod and he went uh, to other villages, he just had the rod and they all bowed down and worshipped him. What he thought was worth nothing. But the point is that the lesser is blessed by the greater. And so God said, you know, uh, I don't want to give man any opportunity to mess up this covenant. So I'm going to make a covenant with myself on behalf of Abram. And many times you'd actually see you could have uh, your servant cut a covenant for you in your place. So sometimes the king wouldn't actually have his, his hand uh, cut and the blood wouldn't actually flow from his hand, but his servant. And again, the person he's making covenant with. And so God cut a covenant with Abraham. Abraham said, how am I going to know these things are so? Well, God cut this covenant. Well, these animal pieces are laying down on the ground. And so they call that in the middle of those animal pieces, they call that the pathway of blood. Because that's where all the blood and guts are spilled out, which it sounds really nasty, doesn't it? <laughs> And so what they would do is they would walk in between those pieces, uh, linked arms, and they would walk in a figure eight, which represents infinity, which means I will forever keep this covenant with you. And it also means uh, if I ever cease to keep this covenant, may what happened to the animals happen to me. May I die, right? So that's a really short uh, description of covenant. And uh, so this is what God did with Abram when he said, how will I know that these things will be? In other words, there's really no stronger way that God could communicate to mankind, I'm going to keep what I said. This is the way it is. All right, now let's pick it up over in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. We'll begin with verse 17. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not 
as though they were. God who quick as the dead, it calls those things that be not as though they were. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So he believed in hope against hope, what? According to that which was spoken. What was spoken? That was the word of God. It's what God spoke. So he believed according to what God spoke. So we can believe according to what God spoke. So shall your seed be. And verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And being not weak in faith. Now, let me switch over to my notes real quick. And I'm going to read that in a couple other translations. Amplified says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered the other utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead and womb. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Message says, Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it's hopeless. This 100-year-old body could never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. And Abraham's faith, New Living, did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Passion. In spite of being nearly 100 years old when the promise of having a son was made, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. Uh, Young, uh, Young's literal. And not having been weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already become dead, being about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And without growing weak in faith, he could contemplate his own vital powers, which had now decayed, and Sarah's barrenness. He was then almost 100 years old, but his faith did not weaken. When he thought of his body, which was already practically dead, or the fact that Sarah could not uh, get, have any children, Abraham did not weaken. Through faith, he regarded the facts... His body was already as good as dead. Now he was about 100 years old, and Sarah was unable to have children. And then finally, basic translation. And not being feeble in faith, though his body seemed to be little better than dead, he being about 100 years old, and Sarah was no longer able to have children. In other words, one translation actually said he did not grow weak in faith, considering his own body. But these other ones I kind of like a little better. It says, he was not weak in faith, considering his own body. In other words, you have your own body. You have a body. Does everybody here have a body? But Abraham didn't consider the conditions that he had in his body. What did he do? He considered the promise of God. He believed what was spoken. He considered what was spoken. Listen, he said, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. 
You ever seen somebody stagger through unbelief? I've seen somebody get like terrible news uh, that a relative died and they just begin to stagger. Couldn't believe it. Like physically stagger. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. What does that mean? Well, when Abraham saw this contradiction that, hey, what God said, there is no physical evidence. My senses actually tell me God is a liar. My senses tell me everything is opposite. I mean, I didn't think about this till this past week. But imagine this. That woman had gone through menopause. <laughs> Lord bless Abram. Abraham. I mean, that means there's no longer eggs being released. And women have a finite amount of eggs that they get when they're in the womb of their own mother. So in other words, they could remember Remember when you went through menopause? <laughs> but it says, but they believed God. So if they believed God in the midst of that, I mean, I would have been like, Lord, thank you so much, but do we have to go through menopause again? <laughs> well, the reason I'm saying it is because they had definite experiences and defi definite communication from their bodies to say, you are no longer of childbearing age. The factory has been shut down. <laughs> right? Closed down. Think about that. I mean, nobody's that age here. But imagine if somebody was that age and they, they came up to you and said, the Lord has told me. We're going to have children. You say, great, where are you adopting from? <laughs> Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief will stagger at the promise of God. But Abraham, our father in the faith, actually thanked God for Abram. If you find someone in the word that has done it, you can do it. God is not a respecter of persons. If he did it for someone else, he will do it for you. So in other words, you might not be uh, believing to be the father of many nations, and I know you're not because God has not told you that. In other words, you can't believe in Bible faith that that's going to happen because faith comes by hearing what God said to you, and he didn't say that to you. But what are you believing for? And so what communication do you have? I mean, every test, if they had doctors back then, I pretty much guarantee the test would have said barren. Not possible. But we walk by faith and not by sight. He staggered not at the promise of God, verse 20 again, through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So in the middle of... of circumstances, 
that are telling you not so, not possible, done deal, you're an idiot, you're foolish, God's a liar. By the way, who does that sound like? Did God really say? Abram, are you sure he didn't? You, you know, actually, uh, he had these thoughts because we, in 14, Genesis 14, where we pick it up right there, you know, he's like, well, sure, my, my servant is going to have children and that'll be counted to me. And then we know Sarah had the thoughts as well because she's like, why don't you uh, sleep with my maid? <laughs> Trying to figure out how to give God a break. <laughs> well, that must not be right. Let, let me figure out. You know, I like how Pastor Mark Hankins says it. We, our job is to believe, and he is the performer. We are not the performers. Uh, we don't make it come to pass. He is the performer. We're the believer. All we have to do is believe. It's a funny thing about belief. When you believe, you contact and you connect with God and his power and the reality of everything that he is and everything that he has done. Because the truth of the matter is, you're not trying to get healed. You got sickness or disease in your body? You ought to stop trying to get healed. Because 1 Peter 2.24 says that you were already healed by the stripes of Jesus. So this, this, this should set you free. We talk about the power of the blood of Jesus. Somebody said, well, I make a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, I just... I messed up last night, so I don't even want to come to church. I just made mistakes. I heard one pastor say in St. Louis, I was attending one of the services, and he said uh, to some single people, he's like, I don't care if you have to roll out of the bed with somebody of the opposite sex. Uh, you just get out of bed and you get in church. <laughs> Why? Because the power of the blood of Jesus the blood removes every sin. doesn't just cover. In the Old Testament, they just had a covering. We don't have a covering. We have a removal, an expungement. Like that your sins are gone. I, even I, am he that blots out your sins. And I will remember them no more for mine own sake. Why? He wants to meet with you. So if you don't understand the power of the blood, then you come and you're like, man, I'm like the worst person in the whole church service. And, you know, when they pray, like, okay, I'm just going to listen to them, talk to God, and maybe he's going to say something back and all this stuff, but I'm going to be on the outside. No, no, no. Don't take the blood of Jesus and diminish its power and disrespect it like that. There is not a sin that you could come up with that the blood of Jesus has not already expunged, already made provision for. It's a matter of you receiving what the blood has done by looking to him, the author and the finisher of your faith. Now, let's look over at, Hebrew, at that scripture in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Uh, verse, uh, I think I gave you the wrong reference. One second. 
should be. Well, I thought it was here in the same passage, but we'll, we're going here anyhow. So Hebrews chip, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire... Oh, that's... All, I know where it is now. Praise the Lord. Um, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you be not slothful, in other words, don't be lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And I want to read that to you in uh, verse 12 in the Amplified Translation. In order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards, but imitators, behaving as do those who through faith, by their leaning of the entire personality on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness... And by practice of patient endurance and waiting and now inheriting promises. I like how Amplified says it. Uh, by uh, waiting and now inheriting promises. Why? Well, there was a promise of healing, but it was fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross. By whose stripes you were healed. Right? There was a promise that the curse was no longer going to be there, but he became a curse for us. Because it's written, curse everyone's hang on, hang on a tree. So Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What was the curse of the law? Well, it had three main things, which was uh, spiritual death, poverty, uh, sickness, and disease. And so we have been redeemed from those things. We have been redeemed from poverty. We have been from, redeemed from sickness. And we've been redeemed from spiritual death. And so you say, I, I remember I, I grew up in a, a church and... Um, you know, we didn't know this. So we know Jesus as Savior and Lord. You know, but sozo actually uh, has to do with it, not just uh, spiritual uh, newness, but it actually contains, uh, you know, uh, salvation also of your body. But we didn't know that. And so I remember when I first started uh, hearing that, and uh, really what happened is I got filled with the Spirit. When I got filled with the Spirit, the Bible became a new book to me. And I had had uh, some light and understanding from it before, but now, you know, where I was one inch deep, I was about 100 inches deep. And I was like, whoa, what is that? Whoa. Right? And I had the same Bible that I used to Bible quiz with, and it's not this one, but I still have it at home. And so I remember reading, you know, Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I had that memorized, but in my head, not my heart. And so when I read that after I was filled with the Spirit, I was like, I did a double take, and I read it again, and I thought... I never saw that before. And so then I would recall it in my head, and I could quote it in my head, and I quote it in my head, and I thought, no, right there, I don't see anything. I mean, I see what those words, I recall those words. It was a mental exercise. But what really was happening was the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John chapter 14, uh, he will guide you into all truth or all reality, and he'll speak of me and mine. He'll take the things of mine. He'll show it to you. So what happened? Well, I gave myself more wholly over to the Spirit of God Himself. So He was showing me some things that my head couldn't grasp, but my heart rejoiced at. You're a three-part being. The real you is your spirit. And so my spirit was like, whoa! So I remember, and I would, and sometimes I still do it. Like even when I, when I 
uh, tell this part of my testimony, I still, like while I'm telling it, I can think about how I related to those scriptures mentally. And when I think along those lines and try to think like how I see them from my spirit or my heart, it still blows my mind. Because I thought I knew those scriptures. That's a lot of pride, right? That's what I love about the word is like you never, you can never come to the end of the amount of revelation in a word from God. There is always something new to learn and to see. And, uh, you know, Hebrews 2 warns us, don't, don't even think that you have. It says, you know, we have to give more earnest heed to the things that you've already heard, lest you let them slip. So faith comes by hearing and hearing, not having heard. So you need to be hearing the word, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing. So, uh, you know, you know that you're starting to get a little bit of a grasp on something that God has said to you when you're hungry for more of it. But when you kind of shut down and you're like, oh, I've already heard that, you have never heard it as you ought to hear it. But when you get thrilled with the word, that's when the word will work is when you actually get thrilled with it. And when you get thrilled with it, you're like, give me more, give me more, give me more. I want some more. I want some more. Well, he said here, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Well, somebody think, somebody misinterpret that scripture. The devil probably helps you out to misinterpret it, you know, because he knows the scripture and uh, he'll quote the scripture. Look what he did to Jesus. He quoted scripture yeah. <laughs> out of context. The spirit and the word agree. Right. The spirit and the word agree. And if you're born again, you have the spirit of God himself. Before I was filled with the Spirit, I knew the move of God in drawing men to himself. In a service, many times I would know there's going to be three people respond to the altar call today just, just from my spirit. And I was not filled with the Spirit. So I didn't have even uh, the greater understanding that I got or a deeper place in God, you know, when that happened. But I knew. So that when someone said to me, would you like to be uh, filled with the Spirit? I said, I don't know. I feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. And then I said, oh, yes, I would. Why? That was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I know him. I know his voice. And I had studied enough of the scriptures to know like, okay, there is something here. I'm not really quite sure what it is. There's something here. And I can remember I would pray. I was brought up to pray a lot. And so I would pray a lot. And I would get in my prayer life and I begin to pray. And it's like I came to the end in English. And I'm like, there's got to be, I don't know, I... Lord, how can I express myself more fully? There's something else. You ever have that when you're praying? Like there's something that wants to take shape and form that, that you, you, you just know in your knower, I've got to give this out. I've got to get this out. John Wesley said, it seems that God can do nothing on the earth except someone ask him. Like he's tied himself irrevocably to the cooperation of mankind to get his will accomplished on the earth. Well, Jesus said, I came to do the will of my father. And he said, I gave an example to you that you should do as I have done. So he gave us the best example of a man fill, full of God and filled with God. And somebody said, well, he was Jesus. Yes, he was Jesus. But Colossians says that he laid aside his mighty power and glory and became as a mere man. You don't read any miracles. 
He, he did the first miracle, turning the water into wine. Before that, like you see the little storybooks where Jesus went and healed a little bird when he was a little child. That's not true. <laughs> he didn't do any of that. It was after the Holy Spirit came on him when he was baptized in the River Jordan that his ministry began. So he ministered under the power of the Spirit. Just the same way he told us to minister to one another by the power of his spirit. He said it's actually, you know, he's telling these people who had been just like in awe of this man, this God man. Because they're like, no, I've never seen anybody speak like him. He speaks as one with authority. Like he seems to know what he's talking about. And when he speaks, things change. And he's like, hey, by the way, I'm leaving. They're like, you have to like turn our whole lives around. We gave up everything to come with you, and now you're leaving? <laughs> Don't you remember when we got stripped naked? <laughs> that was later on. And so, so he said, it's better for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. I can't send him. But if I go away, I'm going to send him. So essentially now, instead of me being in one place at one time, I'm going to live on the inside of every one of my children. And the same power that you saw in my body will be in your body. And the same anointing that you saw me operate under, you can operate under. And the same works that you saw me do, you're going to do these but you'll do even greater works than these because I go to the Father. Woo, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, that is shouting ground. <laughs> like it's going to be better. It's going to be better because he knew it was going to be better, but he is the word. So as soon as he declared it, it is better even if he didn't know it. But of course he knew it. You get that? He declares the thing and it's so. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, when we all get to heaven, there will be no time, and we can just keep going and going and going. Praise the Lord. Uh, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but strong faith through God. Okay, so then in Hebrews 6.12, through faith and patience we inherit the promises. So many times the enemy will tell you, like, uh, just concerning healing. Well... You know, if you're patient enough and you endure this enough, then eventually you'll be healed, right? That is not what that scripture means. It's through faith and patience we inherit the promises. What is faith? Like a very simple definition of faith is believing what God said is true and acting on it because you believe it so much. Well, how do you believe? Well, uh, one of the basic elements of belief is you turn away from other information, other sources, other input, like anxiety, self-confidence, and confidence in the world and confidence in other people, and you turn to Jesus Christ and Him alone. That is the act of faith, also known as repentance. So repentance and faith go together. That's why people get confused about it. They're like, well, you don't have to repent to believe. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't believe if you don't repent. Because essentially, like, you're crucifying yourself. Because you're like, oh, I'm going to hold on to this, and I'm going to hold on to this. No, you can't do that. Melody found that out years ago, many years ago. <laughs> she was a missionary, uh, did a mission trip over to India, you know. And so sometimes you talk to the people over there, and they have like 1,000 gods or 2,000 gods, and they're like, sure, I'll take Jesus because I've got elephant. <laughs> you know? 
A guy I used to work with, he had elephant on his computer in Tulsa. So his God was elephant, you know. No, there is one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so if you're going to act in faith, that by its very essence is a turning away from other things and a turning to him. So through faith and patience, what is that? Well, like I said, I grew up and I didn't understand all these things. So uh, when I started to see these things, sickness did not immediately fall off of me. It was kind of like a, I had like a hit and a miss. A hit and a miss. Why? Well, I had unscriptural teaching, unscriptural thinking. Like the Lord wants to teach you something, so he has entrusted you with this so you can learn something. But you know what? I would get sick enough. I went to the doctor out of the will of God. Let me tell you, I just like resisted what he was putting on me. I said, I'm going to the doctor, Lord. I don't care what you think. Do you understand what I'm saying? If sickness and disease is of God, why would you ever go to try and get cured? He wants that for you. Well, because it's a lie from the pit of hell. And even, even people that don't know that they believe it actually deep down on the inside, they know that's not true. Man wants to thrive and to survive and to dominate. Doesn't want to let sickness and disease dominate. So through faith and patience. In other words, you just trust the Lord, what he said to you, and you believe it whether you feel like it or not, and you endure patience. And before you turn around, you'll look and you'll say, whoa, I was healed by his stripes. In other words, I'm not talking like you're supposed to endure this sickness long, drawn out, you believe God. When you believe God what he said, you have what he said. It's yours. It belongs to you anyhow, even salvation. We're ministers of reconciliation to tell the world that God's not mad at you. He actually counted all your sins, counted them up, and he weighed those against Jesus and the blood of Jesus and said, canceled out. Not even a close match. Totally done, totally taken care of. It's just that the world has to receive Jesus. As many as received him, those are the ones he gave the right to be the children of God. So it's not automatic. I had some family members one time, they said, well, we've just always been born again. I said, no, you really have not just always been born again. Well, I said, I said well, tell me about that. Like, was there a time? Well, we just always have. So I, I, I talked with them, and I said, well, Let's pray. I'll lead you in this prayer. You know, there's a young man here that, or he was here, and um, was attending our church. He moved to a different city now, but he came one time to come back to the Lord. And so, you're coming back to the Lord. You know, I, I'm praying. We're just confessing Jesus as Lord. And so, we've confessed Jesus as Lord. And I said, repeat after me, believe it in your heart, and confess Jesus as Lord. And we, we finished. And he said, you tricked me. <laughs> and I said, I tricked you. He said, you tricked me. You got me to pray that. And I said, well, no, actually I said, because I was real specific with him, I said, now if you don't believe this in your heart, there's no point in you saying it. You know? I said, well, did you believe that in your heart? Well, yes, but I didn't know you were going to do that. <laughs> but he was born again then, and his life changed. And he was just, what, how long ago, Mary? Like two months ago, baptized. His life is on a totally different track. I said, well, I wasn't trying to trick you. I'm not trying to trick people. <laughs> but if you accidentally <laughs> believe in your heart, 
about the Lord. Well, sometimes that can happen because what? This is a house of faith. So we look to the Lord. You get an atmosphere of faith. Uh, sometimes you'll, you'll enter into things that you wouldn't on your own because there's like a cor- corporate belief. That's why sometimes you get on Monday, you're like, well, what, 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 what was that Sunday? Like, well, what did the Lord say to me? What was that? Like, you can't hardly grasp it. You're like, it was so good. It was so good. What was it? Wow, you get an atmosphere of belief and faith and things can happen that sometimes don't happen on your own. Well, things can happen on your own that sometimes won't happen in a corporate atmosphere, so the, the road goes both directions. But praise the Lord. If you stick with it, I remember, I would think, now, my body says that me being healed, having been healed by the stripes of Jesus, that's not true. And I have said this, and I have looked at it, but when I look to my spirit, my spirit said, witnessed, that is true. And so I stuck and hung in and kept patience. I'm not talking like through this sickness or that or whatever. I'm saying over the years. Why? It's through faith and patience you inherit the promises. Having done all to stand, you do what? Stand. So now most of the time what happens? Well, sickness and virus or something will come. Man, within almost always less than two hours, but normally like 15 minutes or less, every symptom's gone. My son, last week, somebody was giving my son a ride, and I guess he vomited all over. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I want to talk to him. So I thought, well, that's okay. I'll just wait till he gets home. So he got home. He's laying on the floor. And I said, okay. We're just going to pray, and this is going to go. So we prayed, and he's still laying on the floor. He sensed a change, and I, he said, uh, I want to eat some raspberries because he couldn't eat. So he had raspberries. From then, it was later in the evening. He just went to bed. The next morning, he was the first one up, first one of the children up, running, playing, happy. So it's not like you don't have things come against you, but you don't really have to have them. You don't have to keep them. You can't, you can't stop someone from knocking at your door, but you don't have to let them in your house. Amen. Because healing belongs to you. All right, let's finish off with uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Literally, the Greek says, author and finisher of faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Abraham, having considered, one translation said, his own body, he considered it not. So consider him. If you have sickness and disease attacking you today, or you have uh, financial attacks on you, or you have uh, mental attacks, or whatever it is, 
Consider it not, but consider him, the author and finisher of your faith. In other words, you weigh the gravity of that attack against the power of Jesus Christ himself. Consider him. Don't consider all this other stuff. You consider him. Why? Well, because if you just go by your senses, you'll just have whatever comes your way. But that's not what the blood of Jesus paid the price for you to have. The blood of Jesus paid the price. He paid the price for you to have his life and have it more abundantly. As he is right now in heaven, so are we in this world. Jesus is not sick. Jesus is not poor. Jesus is not depressed, hiding in his bedroom. He's preparing a place. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you don't come to God by doing good things. You can't come to God because uh, you have prayed enough or read the word enough or that you uh, stop doing bad things. You come just the way you are. You come to Jesus just the way you are. It is by faith that you are made new. It is by believing what God said. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you right now, consider your heart. What's going on in your heart? What's the Lord saying to you? If you don't know Jesus, he wants you to come to him. He wants to take that all your burdens, all your cares, all your worries, all your past, all your future. He wants everything on him so you can have the most abundant life. If you'd like to receive Jesus, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. This will be the first day of the best day of your life, the best life you could ever live. Number two, if you're here this morning and uh, you were walking with the Lord, you knew the Lord, but you chose to walk away and you feel in your heart you need to come back. You want to come back in fellowship with the Lord, back into the house of God. Um, the Bible says in Proverbs that the backslider is full of his own ways. Maybe you're just like, I am just full of my own ways. Well, why is it all about me, 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 me? Uh, I'm, I just want to make this sure, solid, secure. I, I'm all in. If that's you and you want to you do that this morning, I want to pray with you. Lift up your hand. We'll pray with you and pray for you. And number three, if you're here this morning and you've never been filled with the Spirit, maybe you're, you're born again, but you've never uh, been baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is an experience after being saved called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said... Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, do you have all of the Holy Spirit you want? Do you have all of God that you want? If you don't, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Receive Him in, in fullness. Slip up your hand. I'll pray with you. Pray for you. Hallelujah. God is so good. If you're watching online and you want to respond to any of those invitations that we gave you, 
I encourage you to email us at info at anchordc.org and we'll respond to you and get you some materials and pray with you. It'll be the best day of your life. Father, we come to you right now. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us the measure of faith, Father, and that we can act in faith and that when we hear your word and we receive it in our hearts, faith comes and faith is present and we can act and believe beyond what our minds understand and beyond what our senses communicate to us. Father, that we can walk in the same realm that you walk in, in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of, of glory. Father, that where we're not under the power of the enemy, but where we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places, far above all the workings of the enemy. Father, I thank you for your word. And we pray, I pray right now for every one of us, everyone under the sound of my voice, just like Paul prayed, Father, for the church at Ephesus, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, knowing you through your ability, through the light that you give, Father, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light. Father, that you would open up to us your word as we've never heard it before, never seen it before. Father, we pray this week that you'll give every one of us the divine connections, that our steps are ordered of you. That you'll give us opportunity after opportunity to speak your life, your word to those that are lost, your life, your word to those that are bound. Father, we thank you that the entrance of your word gives light and brings understanding. We look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name.